talking about. For those that are watching online, welcome. We know what it's like to be over there on that mission field, amen? And to really, you know, if, I, if we could have been over in the service here when people were taking up an offering for us over there, we would have been praying extra hard. Lord, God, please touch their hearts. Lord, if we could see you digging into your wallet, say, go oh, grab the bigger one, grab the bigger one. Please, Lord, touch their hearts. Because when you're over there and you're living by faith every month and really no, no doubt we, are, we have all faced the living by faith and living day to day, paycheck to paycheck. I remember we'd get paid once a month. And by about the second and a half, third week, there was no money left. So that's what he was talking about. When there was a treat to be able to go out to a restaurant. On a, and listen, by the way, here's a disclaimer. I've, I don't even think I've ever eaten TGI Fridays in the United States. It was really good over there, though. <laughs> when you don't have all the options, it was really good. So we, we had that spe special dessert that we liked. And, we, and when you want to go be somewhere, the reason we'd go spend so much, even though we didn't want to, is we felt like we were kind of in America for a few minutes when we'd walk into TGI Fridays because it was called, you know, TGI Fridays, and it had an American menu, and it was in English. And so it was just one of those moments to get away. But I know that what it's like to be down there. I don't know what it's like to have six kids. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. But I do know what it's like to have two kids, and so I can only imagine what six kids cost. And uh, they're doing it down there. I'm staying in, you know, pretty constant, consistent contact with him on a weekly basis. And they're, they're going through some things, but they're encouraged, you know, and uh, they're growing and they're having some troubles with COVID. But I really do want us to be a blessing this morning. And I told Carla yesterday or today, I said, we're, I've already got an amount in my spirit that I want to send. And if it doesn't come in, we're still going to send it. Because I want to be a blessing. But I believe that what the Lord put on Pastor Morrow's heart, we're going to give even above what I thought in my heart. Amen? And we're going to be a tremendous blessing. And that seed, amen, is going to go down to El Salvador, and it's going to touch people. Praise God. You know why we can do this? Why Pastor William can go into a church service in Colorado Springs, Colorado, drunk as a skunk, and get saved, and, and now 20, 30, 25 years later be preaching the gospel in his own country because of the power of the Holy Spirit? Amen. Don't you know today the reason you're changed is because of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not by chance. And you think about, I started thinking about this with, with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk today about Pentecost power, if you're taking notes. Amen. And I want, I want us to realize this, that, you know, William Diaz is an example of many in our fellowship. I can think of Pastor Marshall. I can think of Pastor Mario. I can think of a bunch of other, maybe Pastor Manny. Remember Pastor Manny and Pastor Marshall have over 100 arrests between, between the two of them? You know what happens when Pentecostal power happens and the power of the Holy Spirit starts touching people? And this happens here in Denton? We affect the crime rate. You realize that? We have lowered the crime. The police department of Denton, Texas should come give us an award. They should come put a plaque up on our walls and say, thank you for lowering the crime rate. I would like to see what the crime rate looked like before we got here. Are you with me? Because there's a bunch of people in here who would be in jail right now if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit touching your life. There's a bunch of us who would be dead in hell. We'd be someplace else. Amen. But by the grace of God, we're not. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that does that, that changes a person's life. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Now, I want to ask how many of you, be honest, don't lie. And, and if you were in the first service, you should know now. How many know what Pentecost Sunday means? Lift up your hand if you know. 
Okay, now, if you don't, lift up your hand. If you don't know what it is, good. Then I'm preaching to somebody this morning. If you don't know what it is, don't worry. I, lots of people didn't know, and some people still don't know. They might be in church for a long time. Let me make it simple. Today is the church. How many know we belong, we belong to the church? This is a church. This is a church. Amen. Part of the church around the world. The, the church is the kingdom of God, the believers in Jesus Christ all around the world. And today is Pentecost Sunday, which is the church's birthday. This is the day, the church that we belong to, not fellowship, not Victory World Outreach, but the church of Jesus Christ. It's the day it was born. Okay, and we're going to read that this morning. And I want us to understand, the only way we can make it for God is to have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to realize here is chapter 2 of Acts. If you'd open up your Bibles there, if you've got your notes, phones, tablets, we're going to have it on the screen as well. But I want you to see something here about the book of Acts. And I'm going to mess up your theology a little bit. I love to mess up your hair a little bit. How many here would t raise their hand and say they were raised Catholic? Let me see your hand. Okay, quite a few. Baptist. Methodist. Lutheran. Any Lutherans? Well, I know we had a Lutheran in the first service. Uh, Episcopalian. Hey, you're not, the, you're not alone. Um, Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> Nobody. Mormon. Okay. Now I'm getting out of, out of now no more hands being raised. Bapticostal. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> There's some churches that throw all those in. We're the church of the Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, Episcopalian, just so they can be right. How many know there's not going to be any of those in heaven? Amen. Our church is called non-denominational. We're not part of a denomination. But whatever you were raised in, whatever upbringing you had, uh, I want to mess with your theology a little bit. We, we, people would call themselves Baptists or Methodists or Lutherans or, or Episcopalians or whatever they are. But the truth is, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you've heard me say this before, you are a Pentecostal. Some of y'all like, why you make that face? You're a Pentecostal, okay? Look what Acts chapter 2 says. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Now remember, Jesus said in his word that he did not come to destroy the law, but he came to what? Fulfill the law. He didn't come to change what was in the Old Testament. He came to fulfill it. We can't look at the Old Testament like that word, old. You know our world right now, our culture, our nation, our, our world wants to get rid of old people. Let's get rid of all the old people and let's bring up a younger generation. How many know we need the old people? We, the old people still have value, amen? And we are a fairly young church, and a lot of our old people that are watching right now, you know, can't come because of COVID and, or different situations, but we need our old people, amen? And we need the Old Testament, because that's our history. And nothing that came in the New Testament was to erase what happened in the Old Testament. It was to fulfill it. And so here it, we see in the Bible, in the New Testament, on this day, that what is being fulfilled on the day of Pentecost is the day of Pentecost existed in the Old Testament. It was a feast. And all the Jews would go to Jerusalem and they would celebrate the feast. And this celebration on this day was what the word Pentecost means, 50th. And it, is the, it was the 50th day after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So they counted 50 days and that was the day. So it's basically saying on that birthday of the church on the day of Pentecost, 50 days since the resurrection, they were all 
together in one accord in one place. Now that's really important, in one accord in one place. And while they were there, go back to that first one for a second. If you were, while they were there, this is a phrase from Jesus. He's telling his disciples in Luke 24, 49, he says, I want you to go and wait for me. Okay, he, and he says, I'm going to go up into heaven, I'm going to send into heaven, and I'm going to send the promise or the Holy Spirit. How many know today that we don't have God visibly here? Does he, did anybody see God anywhere physically? How many know Jesus is not sitting here physically in this room? We don't see him physically. What we have today is the Holy Spirit. Okay, the Holy Spirit is not visible. The Bible talks about it being like the wind. That blows the trees. You can't see it. I, I thought of a great example uh, Friday morning. We had to, this, our discipleship, and I, I called Pastor Dylan in Arusha, Tanzania, Thursday night, which for him was Friday morning. He was already up, and I said, hey, what are you doing this afternoon? And I want to see if you could get on the call with the guys and just give them a quick word. Just tell them hi. Tell them something you learned. And so he got on. He gave us a great word. A very encouraging word and, and powerful. He was in different places in the Bible. And, and we put the phone right in the middle of the table. There's about 20 of us there. And he's talking to us from 13,000 miles away. That's a, long, that's a long ways. Tanzania, when I went over there, and I realized it's, there's not much further away from Denton, Texas that you can get in the world than Tanzania. It's, a, it's about as far as you can go. And he's over there 13,000 miles away talking to us through signal, which is like WhatsApp. And he's giving us this word. And he hung up and gave us a great word. And I told the guys, that's exactly what it's like when we talk to God in prayer. We could not see Pastor Dylan. We could not pat him on the back and say good word. But we could hear him and his words affected us. How many know that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does in our lives? We don't see Him today, but as this Word is going forward, His Spirit is here, and He is affecting our lives. And He's speaking to us right now through this messenger, and what He's saying is, I want to fill all of you with the power of my Spirit, so that you can do the things that I need you to do, so you can go where I need you to go, so that the crime rate keeps going down, so that lives keep getting saved, so that miracles keep happening, so things keep going forward, so the gospel gets preached, but you need my Spirit in you. How many know we're not going to change anybody? But it's the power of God that saves people. So they're all there together in one accord. The Bible tells us there was 120 men and women at that place called the upper room. I know my cousins, Rowdy and Kendra, have actually been there. I'm very jealous of that. They've actually been in the room. How cool would that be? They, go talk to them and ask them how it was. They've been in the room what called the upper room where, they were, where this, this event took place, where the church was born. So Jesus is preaching to his disciples. He's, he's raising them up. He says, I'm going into heaven. I'm leaving, but I'm leaving so something even greater comes, which is my Holy Spirit, the Comforter. And I want you to go to this place, and I want you to wait. And then this is what happens. Watch what it says in verse 2. When the day, sorry, let's go back to one, that's my bad. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all in one place in one accord. And then watch what happened. And suddenly, now suddenly for us right now reading the Bible is just like that. But there wasn't suddenly for them. You know why sometimes we don't get everything God wants for us? Because we're too much in a hurry. We don't wait on God enough. 
Sometimes our miracle is right around the corner and we quit and give up and stop praying for it. When it says suddenly, it came in suddenly, just like the rapture is going to happen suddenly. But listen, church, it wasn't suddenly for them because the Bible tells us they had been there for 10 days. 10 days praying. It had been 10 days waiting on the Lord. And all of a sudden, suddenly came a sound from heaven. How many would love to hear the sound from heaven this morning? Amen. As of a rushing, mighty wind blew through that place. You just see the shutters moving and the walls begin to shake as the Spirit comes in. And it says, it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And watch what happened. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. How many would like the fire of God in your life? Amen. And it says, and one sat. Now I want you to leave this up there for a second. One sat upon each of them. Actually, let's go on to the next one. One sat upon each of them. And they were, some of them, filled. How many were filled? All. That's everybody. 120 people. It doesn't say some of them were filled. It says they were all filled with the what? And began to do what? Now, leave that up for a second. It's very important that we understand this. You might say, Pastor, why tongues? I'm going to tell you because God said so. We don't need to know why. He could have used anything he wanted to use, but he shows tongues. He could have said, as they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to do jumping jacks. He could have said, as they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to do push-ups. As they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to clap, sing, shout, run. What does it say they did? Spoke with other tongues. Why is God putting an emphasis on what happened at that moment at the birth of the church? Could it be possible, and it is in my opinion, that there is something that happened that day that God is putting an emphasis on that we all need to? Is it possible that, that they needed back then the gospel to be preached more than we need it today? Is it possible that they needed miracles more than we need today? We need it just as much or more than they do. And there's nothing in this Bible that's for them that's not for us. God says he's no respecter of persons. So I want you to understand, as I told you earlier, don't get caught up in what religion or denomination you were were brought up in. Get caught up in what God's word says for your life. Lose all that prior thinking of this is what I thought and this is what I thought we was and we, we is and we did and we does. Start doing what God says to do. And we need to, to the very best of our ability, follow and copy the book of Acts Church. Why? Because it's our history. It's our heritage. It's our family tree. And so if, if this happened to them on the very first day the church started, we need it today, 2,000 years later, as the church is about to end. Did y'all catch that? We're on the end. They were on the beginning, we're on the end. Because Jesus is coming back. Soon and very soon. Amen? And so when this happens, a tongues of fire appeared on each of them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, watch what it continues to say in verse 5. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem. I told you earlier, everybody's coming to Jerusalem from different places to do the Feast of Pentecost. 
And it says, and when, and from every nation under heaven, and when this sound occurred, the multitude came together. How many would like to see God do something so awesome in this church that the people outside know what's going on? And were confused, and, be, and, and because, sorry, everyone heard them speak in his own language. They were all amazed and marveled and said to one another, look, these are, are these not Galileans? They knew they were from Galilee. And how is it that we hear each of us in our own language in which we were born? So we're gonna, before I read some more, what he's doing here is he is doing a marvel. He is doing a wonder. He's doing something supernatural. He's, he's allowing the people around him to see something that is unexplainable. It's a power. When you really start to think about, if you ask, what is it that God wants me to have the power of the Holy Spirit for? It's because we need to walk in the supernatural. Something that is not our ability. Something that we cannot do ourselves. How many know if we want to see a move of God, we have to believe God to do things we cannot do? And so he does this marvelous wonder, and he fills them with the Holy Spirit and they, they start praying and the people outside start hearing the, their own language. Now we've got people from the Congo and Zambia and El Salvador and Costa Rica and whatever languages we might have. You might have someone from Russia or we had someone in the first place from the Philippines. You've got all these different languages. Can you imagine if you were sitting in this service and you didn't speak any English? And as that time of prayer, when Jesse was praying with us, as he began to pray, somebody near you was praying and you can hear your language out of their mouth. Can you imagine what that would be like? And you're looking over them knowing that person does not speak my language. They are not from my country. Would you marvel? That's what God was doing. He was showing the power of, of his Holy Spirit through these people. And so they began to hear in their own language. It says they're um, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, all the way to Asia, Persia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. It says we hear them speaking in our tongues, and but here's the thing, this is how we know it's a work of God. We hear them speaking in our tongues the wonderful works of of God. So it wasn't that they were just hearing their language. They were, we don't know exactly what they heard, but it was powerful. It was supernatural. And it got these people's attention. But one error that happens because of this scripture, because we don't read other scriptures, is some people believe that when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to speak in some other language. That you're automatically, that you can, God can use that wonder again, and I've even heard stories of it. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit and having the, the, the gift of tongues is something that is not for other people. It is for you and God. It's power to witness. It's power to have a prayer language. But this specific thing was a wonder. And the reason we know that that was not a doctrine is because it doesn't happen again in the, in the rest of the Bible. Where people heard it in their own language. But other people were baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in other tongues. But this particular miracle was to show God's power. And the, what God is really trying to show us here is we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that the supernatural operates so that people can see that Jesus is real. How many would be honest and say, I need more power in operating in my life? I'll raise both hands. 
I want more power operating in my life of God so that people will marvel at his wondrous works in my life. And then it says, what they say, what could this mean? And others were mocking and said, they're full of new wine. They were basically saying they're drunk. They're a bunch of crazy folks. They, they're drunk. They had a party last night, and they're acting a fool. And so there's always going to be mockers. Amen? There's always going to be mockers. But listen, church, we need to understand. Be careful this morning that, you're not, that you are careful to not hinder the Holy Spirit, to not mock the Holy Spirit, to not say things about the Holy Spirit, Because God chose to use tongues and He chose to use the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives for a reason. How many know we got to follow what God said in His Word and do what He says? Amen? If He chose it, He chose it for a reason. I have many reasons I don't have time to tell you this morning. But one of them is because our tongues are foul. Don't we cuss with our tongues and curse with our tongues and gossip with our tongues? And kill people. You know, we character assassinate people with our tongues. We do a lot of stuff with this thing. And the Bible talks about it being like that, like that rudder on a, on a boat that's so small that can control an entire ship. Our tongue is small. James says, who can contain it? So that might be one reason why God chose the tongues. Because it edifies our tongues. It edifies this mouth. But he wants us to be able to have a power to pray in so that we can be effective witnesses. So they say they're full of wine. Now, this is one of my favorite things to understand and why the church was birthed, why the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so important. Peter is about to do something here. But before I read what he's going to do, how many will go back with me just a little bit and remember the Peter who denied Jesus three times? Does anybody remember that guy? If you haven't watched in the watch the chosen, I don't even think that's to that part in the chosen yet. But watch some, go watch some Bible story and watch that where Peter that's been remade and watch how he denies Jesus three times and the, and the third time he's, it was with a little girl. He couldn't even tell a little girl that he who are you? He says I don't know who you're talking about. He cussed, got mad, got angry, was upset. I don't know this person you're talking about. He was ashamed of Jesus, Peter. So I want to ask you a question that you have to answer. I have the answer, but you answer it for yourself. What was the difference between that Peter and this Peter? This Peter that says in verse 14, But Peter stands up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea who, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. There's a boldness there. He says, for these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. That's 9 a.m. But this is that. I used to preach a message called, this is that. What is it? He said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days. And how many notes a day were in the last days more than they were in the last days? That I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. On my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. 
I will show wonders in heaven and above and signs on the earth, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned. And here he gets even to a further event into the future, into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Does that sound bold? How did he preach that so boldly? Because now he's a different Peter. Before he, when he denied Jesus, he had not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. He had not been to the upper room yet. He had not got yet Pentecost power. Do you see the difference? Do you think Jesus would have told them to go into the upper room just to wait and waste time? And I said this at the end of the first service. You need to know your Bible enough to know that today we wonder, well, how come there's so many different denominations? And how come not everybody speaks in tongues? And how come, how come this is such a situation and a problem? And the reason is, is because it happened back then too. How many people did Jesus appear to? Over 500. The Bible says he appeared physically to over 500 people. How many people did I tell you were in the upper room? Where's the other 380? The other 380 are the other people that made up denominations and religions and made up their own thing. We don't need to go do what Jesus said. We don't need to go into that upper room. Who does he think he is? How can we ever get to a place where we wonder, why would God tell us that? You know what we need to get to the place of? Yes, sir. Yes, Lord. You want me to go sit in an upper room and pray? I'll go. Those 120 people were smart. And there are, there are, there are heritage. Those, uh, those, I'm proud to be a part of those 120 people that founded our church on the day of Pentecost and came out of that place preaching with boldness. And the Bible, and I made an error this morning in the first service on the number because there's, uh, the number I said happens two chapters later. But that day when he preached, 3,000 people got saved in one day. 3,000 people of those people that were standing around gave their lives to Jesus. Later on in the book of Acts chapter 4, 5,000 more get saved. How do you think these people start getting saved? What makes you, what made you get saved? The Holy Spirit drew you in and made you realize you were a sinner and you needed a Savior. Amen? So we need all the power we can get. But you don't have to have it. We don't have to speak in tongues. We get to. It's a gift. It's something we can have. It's something we can want. It's something we can desire. And God wants us to have his full power. Now look at Acts chapter 1, verse 1. This was before what we just read. I read to you today the birthday, what happened on the birthday of the church. But look back at Acts chapter 1. Why do we need the power of the Holy Spirit? You mean amen if you're there? It says, the former account I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until that day in which he was taken up through the Holy Spirit. Sorry, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering and by many infallible proofs being seen by them. That's when the 500 people saw him during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. How many are, are, are decent at easy math? I'm good at easy math. I told you Pentecost was 50 days. 
I told you they were in the upper room for 10 days. And I told you that now you're seeing that Jesus walked the earth for 40 days. So he was with them for 40 days since his resurrection. He told them to go to the upper room, and they waited for 10 days. And then on the 50th day, on the day of Pentecost, the power of the Holy Spirit fell. How many know when God says he's going to do something, he does it? You can, you can have people fail you all day long, but God's word will never fail. Amen? His word is the same yesterday and today and forever. And church, we have the opportunity. Listen to this. We have the opportunity today in our lives, whether you have it or don't, to have what they had on the day of Pentecost. Can you imagine having that same spirit today in our lives operating that was operating on the day of Pentecost when the church was born? Why would God intend for us not to have what they had then? Do we need it less today? Do you think we need the, the power of the Holy Spirit less today than they did then? Do you think we need miracles less today than they did then? I think we need them more. That every day that goes by, we get further away and people mock and say, when's he going to come? Is he going to come? Is this ever going to happen? And when that happens, we realize we're getting closer to the return of Jesus Christ. We need his spirit now more than we've ever needed him before. Amen? And it says, watch this, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them. Commanded them? Commanded them. Oh, I've read that earlier, and I thought he said suggested. When did that change? Commanded them. Command, command, command. What does that mean, command? Command. So it wasn't a suggestion. Well, why didn't the other 380 listen to the command? Because that's how we are today. So we're hard-headed. Amen. We don't, want to, we don't want everything God wants for us. We, we, don't, we don't want to obey and listen. We don't want to do what he says. He says he commanded them. To not depart from Jerusalem, but to what? Turn on the microwave. Hit 30 and open the door before it hits zero. How many do that? How many pull the door open at one, two, three? See how impatient we are? He says, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which you, he said, you have heard from me. Now watch this. John truly baptized with water. John truly baptized with water. So this is an experience of we do baptism, you get baptized in water for the symbolism of your remission of sins, the old man dying, the new man coming up. But Jesus himself says, but you, and watch the wording here, shall be. Not you are, present tense, you shall be, future tense. The day that the Pentecost is going to come. The day that baptism is going to come. The day you're going to get filled. How many know at this point when he's talking to them, they're already believers? Are they not already believers? Has he not already resurrected? All the doubting's out the way. They've already gone back to their old ways, to fishing and all that. They already got over to all those mistakes. And he's standing there telling them, now, y'all ready to start this church thing? Let's get serious now. Right? This is what he's telling them. And I'm paraphrasing. He says, y'all, basically, I don't know if you think he said y'all, but Y'all, it's, not, you guys, it just doesn't sound right. You fellows, y'all went back to your fishing. Y'all went and made your mistakes. Now he's like, I'm about to leave. I need us to get serious. The whole world needs to hear my gospel. They're not going to hear it if you don't have my power. Are you with me? 
This is so important. He says, go, I command you to go, because you're going to be, you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him. Now, I, I didn't have a chance to hit this too much in the first service, but this always blows me away, and I don't believe it's a mistake. Because this is what happens in our lives. God wants us to be full of his Holy Spirit. And right now, when the Holy Spirit's dealing with us, and you're just about to get what God has for you, you're starting to think about lunch. Or a bill just came across your mind. Or something you need to do tomorrow just came across the flash. We get distracted. And the devil does that. Watch what he's, watch, he just, so he just says, not many days from now, I'm going to give you this power to change the world. How many are following me? And it says, when they had come together, they said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of heaven? So they changed the subject. I don't, I don't know what his face was. I don't know what his reaction was, but... He just kind of quickly says, it's not for you to know the times of the season what the Father's put under his own authority. Basically like, where did that come from? Get your mind back here. Come here. Come back. And then he says, but you, so he goes back to what he was saying, but you shall receive power. When, when, future event, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Do you realize that he is telling them that they're going to go wait for... Yeah, how many know you know, can't go wait for something you already have? Here's the thought that a lot of people have. When you get saved and you accept Christ in your life, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is a separate event. That's why he's telling them to go wait for it. Am I, am I making myself clear on that? You don't have to go wait for something you already have. You don't go wait for something that you're already in your hands. He said, go wait for this because I'm going to send power that you... And how many know they have seen some power? They had actually... I want to remind you of something. I don't think I've ever said this in all the almost 30 years I've been preaching. I've never thought of this. They had already cast out demons. They had already laid their hands on the sick. They had already walked in his authority to a certain degree. Because remember when they went out... 72 and they came back and they said lord even the demons are subject to your name he said don't 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 be excited about that be excited that your names are in the lamb's book of life they had already healed they'd already seen a glimpse of what god wanted to do but he said you don't understand if you're going to fulfill my will there's more because you are going to have the gates of hell stand up against you and i'm going to be gone and I need you to make sure that I'm, that I'm still here, but in your spirit, in your body, that I dwell in you, that my power dwells in you, and that you go and receive this thing that I have for you. And so today, in the church world, we don't put enough emphasis on what Jesus put emphasis on. Are you seeing that? Some churches don't want to talk about this. They'll just skip over it. They'll say that was for them then. Although you don't say any, see anywhere in here where he said it was just for them. As a matter of fact, on later on in chapter 2, you'll see it was for all who believe and all your children and your grandchildren and all who are far off. So he's saying here, how many are following here, how important it is that we follow what Jesus wants. And we put ourselves in a position to do what Jesus says. And so he says, 
It is not for you to know the times of power. Sorry, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And for what? So you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria. And then when you guys die, you won't need that power anymore. And the people that are coming after you don't need that power. It's just for right now. Is that what that last part says? And to the end of the earth, or to the end of days. So write this down. The baptism of the Holy Spirit gives us boldness to witness. I mean, we want to be better witnesses. Boldness. Peter had a boldness all of a sudden. Number two, power to heal. And, and I would even say this, to heal better. Because they had already been used. They'd already gone out and seen God's power, but it was in a small capacity. And remember, it's because Jesus was still on the earth. Jesus even said, I have to leave so the third person of the Trinity can come. Jesus even said, if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit can't come. We had God, the Father in the Old Testament. Now, don't get me wrong. They've all three been all around all the time. But you see the visible attributes of God the Father in the Old Testament. And then right in the middle, you see Jesus come down from heaven as, 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 as God the Son. He lives on this earth, dies for our salvation, and then now we see the last part, which is God the Holy Spirit. How many know we need as much emphasis on God the Holy Spirit as we do on God the Son and God the Father? A balanced life of God has God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in his life in balance. And we need the Holy Spirit. Too many Christians leave out the last part. And he's not here physically today, so we need his spirit. Number three, this is a big one, we need discernment. What's discernment? Making decisions, recognizing that something's good or bad, recognizing that something's wrong or right, realizing that we should or shouldn't do that. We need the spirit of God to give us discernment. And number four, we need comfort. The Holy Spirit comforts us. Amen? It gives us comfort. To see God do great things. I want to end with this last verse. John chapter 14. This will be up on the screen. Verse 12. Watch what Jesus says. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, Jesus says. Now, how many can remember some of the works that Jesus did? He, he, he laid his hand on sick people, or blind people, and their eyes opened. He grabbed the hand of the paralytic at the pool of Bethsaida and he got up and walked after almost 40 years. He healed par paralyzed people. He cast demons out of people. He laid his hands on sick people, people with an issue of blood and they were healed. All these, he raised Lazarus from the dead. I mean, those are some pretty amazing works. But, but, but we believe that, don't we? We believe Jesus did all that. But you know what we don't believe? We don't believe the next part. We don't believe that it says, go back, sorry, I forgot to read that second part. The works that I do, this is going to blow you away, especially you new believers. The works that I do, he will do also. Who's he? Who's he? He who believes. He will do these works also. And then he could have just left it right there. You'll do those miracles, but he didn't say that. He did this. He said, and greater works 
greater. Now, I want to say something I did not get a chance for time in the first service to say. These greater works can definitely mean healings and deliverance and and those supernatural power things. But what he really, really, really is putting emphasis on with the greater works is getting people saved. He's saying, you will get more people saved through me than I could have ever done on this earth. Greater. How many believe we could see a greater harvest today than they ever saw in the book of Acts? We can. He says, these works you'll do and greater works because I go to my Father. So now, Jesus, the the Son, the Savior, the King, the Prince of Peace, is on the right hand of the Father and He's praying for us right now. He is interceding for us right now. He is cheering us on right now. And He's saying, go and preach my gospel. Go and lay your hands on the sick. Go and cast out demons. Go and use the gifts of the Holy Spirit to amaze people and do wondrous works in my name. And then he goes on to say in the next verse, watch this, and whatever you ask. How many know whatever's got a big, broad, open statement? You know what that whatever is? Whatever your faith allows. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Father, I believe that this morning. I believe that, God, with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, and all my strength, that you can do greater things today than we've ever seen in the Bible, Father. That you are no respecter of persons. That you do not love those people in the Bible more than you love us. That the people that got saved on that first day when 3,000 people gave their lives to you, they're not better than us today, Father. Oh, Holy Spirit, help us today to hear your word and to heed your word and to seek your face and to get everything you have for us today, God. Lord, on this day of Pentecost, on this celebration of the birth of Christ, we pray for an outpouring today in this service like they had on that day. Lord, that you would come into this house this morning and pour out your power and pour out your spirit and pour out your love upon us that we would walk out of here changed and transformed and set free and on fire for you to do a great work, Father. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed all across this house and anyone watching online right now, we pray that you're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit as he knocks on the door of your heart. Father, we pray a prayer right now that you're putting on my heart. I pray that this church would pray this with me. We pray for all the people in our church family here that are backslidden, God. Some may be watching right now. Some may be out doing things they shouldn't be doing. But we pray right now for those that have walked away from you, those that are not here, those that are not making right decisions, those that have allowed themselves to go back to their old ways. And they're in danger today of fire of hell, Father. I pray for them right now, God. Church, pray with me for these people right now. Get an intercessor's heart for a moment. Pray, maybe someone's coming to your mind right now. Lord, maybe maybe they're not totally backslidden, but they're putting other things more important than you, Father. I can think of people right now, God, that no one else needs to know but you and I, who they're not putting you first. 
They've allowed things in their life to come in and they've allowed events to come in. They've allowed things to go on on weekends or even jobs or even situations. And, and Lord, they, they've been pulled out of the house. And Lord, they're, they're in danger of being cold. They're in danger of going the wrong direction. We just pray for them right now, Father. As you pray for us, we intercede for these people to come home. And if any of them are watching right now online, I pray that their hearts are being pricked by the Holy Spirit to make a decision to get right. Because Jesus, you could come back today and we don't want anybody to miss heaven. For those that are here in this place today, as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, how many in this house could be honest with God and say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus this morning. I need him to come into my life. Just lift up your hand. I need to be saved this morning. I see your hand. I need to be born again. Lift it up and say, Jesus, remember me today. I admit that I'm a sinner. I need a Savior this morning. I'm lost and I need, I need to be found. I need to change this morning. I need a transformation. That's me this morning. God's talking to your heart this morning all across this place. As we stand to our feet this morning, I want us to begin to prepare our hearts to receive. The Bible says if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken your mortal body. This morning I can't speak for you, but I want more of God. I want to be filled. Maybe you're here and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You've never felt that power of God fill you up this morning. You don't have a prayer language. It doesn't mean you're not going to go to heaven means you're missing out on full power God has more maybe you've got it and you want to be refilled maybe you're kind of empty you know Jerry and I were working on some tables the other day for the outreach and we were using electric drills and you have to take that battery out and you have to go plug it in and it charges up and then you go grab it and switch batteries sometimes we need that on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night we need to come in and get refilled we've 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 used all the battery power. Amen. God wants to touch us this morning. I, I'm not the baptizer. I'm just the messenger. And I can tell you that if I didn't have the fullness of the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't have been able to make it. Being on the mission field when you want to come home, when you want to quit, when you want to give up, having that prayer language, going through situations that are hard to explain or understand, being able to pray when my mind can no longer pray. It's a powerful thing. Paul says, I wish that you would all speak in tongues and prophesy amen it's something we've got to desire it's something we've got to want i want to open up the altar this morning and all across this place if you're hungry the bible says they who hunger and thirst shall be filled as we begin to sing just find a place just come and worship come and open up your hearts come and seek the power of the holy spirit the baptism of the holy spirit is here this morning just as on the day of pentecost as we're celebrating the birth of the church his power is here to fill us right now. His power is here to come down and change us and transform us this morning. Just come as a, with an open heart and an open spirit. Begin to open up your mouth. Begin to pray. Begin to seek His face and say, fill me, Lord. Let that rain of the Holy Spirit fall on that dry.